Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. Today on the podcast, you are in for a wild ride. We have Greg Smith, chairman of the board of Comco Industries and also the chief culture officer. Greg shares so many great insights on motivation versus potential. I can't even begin to put our discussion into words. You're going to want to check it out. Uh, but before we do, wanted to share some of the latest in Brain Gain news. If you have the mid-November edition of the Business Journal, you can find it online. Or uh, I have the print edition here, the print product here with me right here on my desk. Article I got a lot out of credentials training yields to job-ready talent. It's on page six of the mid-November edition. A young man, Zach Bush student at the Columbiana County Career and Technical Center, also is working at Salem Welding and Supply. So in high school, he's already developing his career. And we speak to the shop foreman, Paul Sailing, and I quote Paul, bringing people in while they're young and teaching them is a lot better than having somebody learn something wrong throughout their life. It's a lot easier to teach somebody the first time, he says, Zach has been 100% awesome. He's come out of school with a lot of information and a lot of knowledge. Uh, That's something uh, pretty consistent. Uh, The young, you can teach, you can mold them, you can train them in your image uh, versus trying to correct bad habits that someone has learned over time. And then even um, Mr. Zach Bush, the student says, he'd rather be standing up than doing something than sitting in a classroom and he doesn't want a job, a desk job either. So he feels like he's on his way to a strong career. He's actually the first student, the first high school student to participate in the group sponsored apprenticeship program through the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. And of course the MVMC are great supporters of this brain gain initiative. So I encourage you to check out this article to get inspired by Zach and the work he's doing at such a young age. And uh, there's a lot more where that came from. We talk about CPAs and their profession and how it lacks diversity. So lots to to cover in the mid-November edition. So please enjoy Mr. Greg Smith. Thank you for your time and attention. And uh, I have to ask, please leave a rating and review. Uh, The podcast success is based upon ratings and reviews and helping it perpetuate along. So strap in for a wild conversation with Greg. It gets kind of funny at times, and I hope you enjoy it. And please always uh, let me know what you think, and please let us know what you're doing to support the brain game. Thank you. Greg, I think we need to start up with uh, warm-up exercises. As a, You're a pro at this, right? You're the coach. Yeah, but we'll be spitting on each other, and that can't do that during okay, COVID. Okay, so <laughs> how do you handle that type of coaching? Well, you know, I, as far as right, you know, warming up, I would say, uh, you know, humming with your mouth closed. Mm. 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 Okay. Try to relax the back of your tongue so mm. there's no tension. Mm. Try to keep this relaxed. Mm. Mm. Try to go up into feeling it vibrate up in, up in here, all the way here, and then down in here. Is also a good way if you're um, having a little bit of laryngitis when you're when you're doing this. Mm, you'll find where you start to buzz. That's your center point, and work around that until it opens up a little bit. Uh, if you uh, if your if your vocal cords are swelled, 
you know, um, to the point where there's some damage can be done, then you don't want to be doing that. If it's painful, basically that'll tell you. But when you're when you have laryngitis, it just means there's some excess swelling, and you got to get the blood flowing in it. So your voice is your instrument, uh, right? It, yeah. And you could tune it. It's just like any you tune a guitar. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could talk down in here. You could talk up in here. You know, wherever you need to talk. Yeah. Right. I think part of what we want to accomplish in this podcast interview is refining. I'd love help refining my vocal range. Okay. Right. So, oh, all right. But this is all good stuff, Steve. We're keeping all this footage because this is gold. We're thrilled to be here with Greg Smith today mm -hmm. uh, to bring Gang Youngstown Leadership Podcast. So much to share, uh, Greg. I mean, you're probably the most generous person I know. Right. Oh, thank you. From all the insights you're willing to share and how you're willing to help and how you've invested in the community. Yeah. So we want to dial it back a little bit and we're going to get into the vocal coaching. I, I think we definitely have to hit that again now that I feel a little warmed up. But uh, okay. what did you want to do as a child? What, when you were, say, in middle school? What well, you know, I, I think I wanted to be a politician. I really did. I loved it. I, I used to study. I mean, I can tell you all the presidents. I sort history by the presidents. So if you tell me something that happened, I'll tell you who the president was. It's crazy. November 4th, 1980. Well, that was uh, during, uh, that would have been before Reagan, that was Carter. He got shot on November 4th, 1980. Okay. The only reason I know that is Mike. Well, it would have been a, he, was, he wasn't inaugurated yet. Was it 1981? Yes. Okay, so my fault. See, November 4th, See what I'm telling you, it's kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> right. He just proved my point. Uh, <laughs> You're right. He was not an icon. He was elected. Right. So you're right. I have to revise that. Uh, that's my historical anchor is when Reagan, fifth grade, I remember it came over to the speakers at school. President Reagan was just shot. Mm. Um, I can't tell you where I was, but again, I just sort that way. And then I ended up going to Washington, D.C. I worked for Lyle Williams for a little bit. And, and then I went to college and I came back and I went and worked for Bob McEwen. And I actually got to ride in the elevator a lot of times with uh, Joe Biden, who might be our next president. Perhaps. And he's a, he actually is a great guy. I don't agree with everything he does, but he is a super, super human being. He's right. a really good guy. Do you think he will try to unify? Assuming, oh, yeah. The statesmanship you know. is coming back. And if that's not politically correct, I apologize. I'm not trying to be. No. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think we need more women in government. I think we need more women in leadership roles, period. Right. Uh, do I want to see every movie with a women hero? Well, we're getting used to it. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, I think we, the society has really kind of not done a good service for women, and we need to change that. So, uh, you know, given that, um, getting back into uh, what I'm talking about is um, when I went the second time, what I saw, I could never be a part of. I have no problem supporting politicians and helping politicians. I don't want any favors from them. I don't want to be treated any differently because I don't want to get into that sick thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have friends, being in Youngstown, if you're not friends with both sides of the aisle, you're not from Youngstown, sorry. Right. right. I mean, we're all good people, we're all trying to do the right thing, we argue, fuss and fight, but, you know, when, when Diamond Steel, when our company burnt down and I saw our competition come and help us get back into business, we may fight like cats and dogs, but relationship-wise, we have each other's back. Yeah, fight like family, right? I mean, we do. And it's a wonderful town, amazing place to be. And, uh, you know, so when I came back here, I just decided, you know, I'm going to be a person that's going to support politicians, both sides of the aisle. I've helped both. And uh, get good people in government. Because you can help 10 people versus just be the one. 
So when you were growing up, and, you, and were, did you aspire to be or look up to various presidents or? Well, Reagan, I think figures? a lot of people. I mean, Reagan was like, you know, Carter's, Carter's a good guy. I, I just think, you know, situational and uh, some people he had around him weren't the right people. Right. And it caused him problems. Um, you know, look at, look at uh, our current president, you know, hate him or not, COVID kind of cost him his presidency and so did his attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be let's be frank about it. Uh, I think those things just you know sometimes timing is not good. But you know we're Americans. We're we're right. we're trying to do the right thing. Right, right. Do, what um, did you have a favorite leader say as a child? Someone that you really looked up to? Oh, in what one aspect? I mean, uh, always my father. You know, right. always my father. My grandfather. I, I lost my grandparents by the time I was twelve. Um, both of them were were very kind to me, very good to me. Uh, so I looked up to them. Uh, John Maxwell uh, became quite a mentor for me in 96. Before then, it was probably Brian Tracy. Uh, maybe a little splash of Tony Robbins when he was young. Right. Is that all that energy and like you could change your life? He still change. maintains the energy, but it's very different, right? Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's matured a lot. I mean, a lot. I mean, he's gone through, what, three marriages? So I think that matures you a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he's losing. I, I attended uh, Unleash the Power Within, I think it was in 2012. Yeah. I can't recall. And there was, um, it was interesting. I, I want to run this theory past you. So, massive event, three days, intense, right? right. Literally round the clock intense. You're on your chair, you're, you're yelling, you're screaming, you're hugging. You know, it's like a, I don't know, disco times 10. But there are times when he takes takes it down, right? He dials down the intensity, mm -hmm. contemplation, meditation, mindfulness. I believe, and you can tell me, have you attended one of these events? Oh, I've been to, I was in Hawaii with him in 1993. Oh. When the people burnt their feet and he got sued. Yeah, yeah I was there. Okay. I did the coal walk, but uh, it was a quick little jaunt across the yeah. coast. But, you know, I, that's why that really is back in the day, as they say. Yes. But I, my theory, though, is that he pre-recorded, you know, obviously a lot of things are pre-recorded. And during those times when he's not on the stage and he goes to those kind of more contemplative, meditative situations, he just goes back, takes a break, pushes, you know, his team pushes play on the recorder. And, and he's, as he's sharing these um, thoughts, that he's literally, that's his couple hours to relax and refresh. Do you really think he runs it personally the entire program or do you think he does a lot of like live on tape work I think he does a combination of everything he does what's effective I think he tries to be effective uh, I know um, when he gets going his energy is one of those unbelievable energy people right all right and you could say it's he does this he does that everything he does enhances what he does but uh, there's a part of you know he was kind of developed that way from a young child and learn to be that way and develop his body that way. Mm -hmm. So the other the stuff he does, like the special vitamins and all that stuff, I'm sure help enhance it, but it's not the main reason. Right, well he believes in neuro-linguistic programming and changing your state. Yes, look, physical... we, we, we can talk about that. Let me, let me just be real clear about what, what NLP is. Okay. NLP is the study of excellence and trying to replicate that in other human beings. It's not, to, it's not to manipulate people, it's not to take advantage of people, it is to find excellence, figure out how it's done, and then model it. That's it. 
and some people have taken that to an extreme. There is no NLP course you can take over a weekend. And if you know, I'll go to the mat on that one. It takes years to develop these skills. And yeah, there are some quick fixes. There's some things you'll pick up right away, but to really become a master at NLP and really get good at it, it takes a long time. And then you don't want to become a robot with it where you're always talking and using it because then it becomes like, especially me who's been trained in NLP, I'll see it and I'll go like, oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. You're not being sincere. You're trying to use tricks. So, is, and it's achieving flow state. Is that the ultimate goal of NLP? No, no, no. I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. It could be. It could be. But flow and NLP are completely different things. Okay. You know, flow is when, when, when you're really in a, in a state where time disappears. That's a good, you know, and I'm telling you right now, when you're doing NLP, sometimes time is, doesn't disappear. <laughs> Right. Yeah, just like when you're going to a trance, you get, um, or you get, uh, what do you want to call it, hypnotized. Time goes away. It's when you are integrated with your body and your mind and everything's working in one unit. Time is, again, a theory. It's, you know, it's something we've invented. It doesn't really exist. Right. So wait, is NLP changing your own state to better communicate, or is it about could changing be. others' could states? Be. Could be. Uh, so it's all of the above. It, it could be. You could be needing to change your state or change their state. Or, or, you know, state management, you know, emotionally, a limbotic brain runs our bodies. I mean, it really does. And if you can't tap into that or you're not tapped into it, you know, you're out of control. Or if it shuts down, there's been experiments where, where, where I shouldn't say experiments, where, where people's limbotic brain, that ability to, to communicate with it, shut down, they can't make a decision. Because we make decisions based on feelings, not based on facts and logic. And people go, that's not true. Oh, yeah? Well, if you didn't believe in your facts and logic, you wouldn't make a decision. So there is a feeling there. In other words, right. if you're not confident in your facts, you're not going to make a decision. So there is a, there's always an emotional level of all decision making. All right. So this po podcast is about leadership. And so many times we're talking about leaders that may be perhaps more dynamic or using emotions to convey oh yeah me. well but yeah. you're you're what i hear you saying is that you can be convicted and believe in your facts and you don't have to be highly emotional if you're convicted well it depends right. who you are i mean uh stephen hawkins tell me what his emotional levels were when he yeah. talked right when he was you know he was a genius and people uh, saw him as a genius so he, he didn't need that when you're communicating emotional uh expression i mean think about a song if you listen to a song it was just one note the whole time and it didn't go up or down, the volume didn't change, how long would you listen to that song? You wouldn't repeat it much. Right, right. It, you know, there needs to be some expression, there needs to be some variance, and you know, in both in voice and in everything. So it's about range, and so for leaders listening it to is. this podcast, you work within your range, right? And, and it's well, not yeah, about- Well, yeah, but I would push a little bit. Okay. Because here's, here's the reason you push a little bit, because what you think your range is, isn't as big as it could be. So when you push it a little bit, you know, it's not as bad as you think you are, you know, it's right. not as, as out there as you think it is. And it also helps you, you know, stretch yourself. Okay, so you're saying you, people should push a little beyond their range to really... Absolutely, and everything. You always want to stretch yourself a little bit. Right, right. No, obviously, yeah. right, if, you, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards, and you got to grow, and, you, and, and the, the best times are when you're really, if you're uncomfortable, that's a good thing. Yeah, really it's just when you're, when you're actually the person, it's great to coach that, but when you're actually in there yourself, it's a whole different ballgame, right? Right. You know, right? But yeah, I mean, where do, you, where do you grow the most? I mean, this is old hat here. What do you talk about when you grow the most? When things went well or when things went right, wrong? 
when things went wrong. Right. You know, that's where you grow. Right. Well, speaking of that, that's that's one of the areas we cover about leadership mistakes. So we might as well get into it right now. What do you feel like in your past, in your history, you've made mistakes that you've learned from? Like anything oh, you'd like to day. share? Every, every day. day. Every day. I mean, uh, one of the most recent ones that comes to mind is uh, we were, um, uh, somebody was complaining about uh, the restrooms out in the shop in our, at, our, at our company. We have a manufacturing company called Comco, mm -hmm. and they were complaining about the restrooms not being cleaned. And I decided in my infinite wisdom as the COB to create a slideshow that shows you how to properly take care of a restroom when you use it. And I showed this slideshow when I went home and luckily for me, um, my company's set up in a way that you have access to everybody. So I got a phone call from one of the guys from the floor that used some colorful metaphors and told me where I could go stick it. And, uh, and it wasn't meant to be uh, against me as a, my character and it was meant to be my, my behavior was wrong right. and he wanted to correct that. So he was respectful, but he let me know my behavior was out of line. So I went back the next day and I cleaned every restroom myself, personally. Got down on my hands and he'd scrubbed the shop bathrooms and there were seven of them. Wow. Cleaned them all, I was exhausted and I came back and I apologized. I got everybody together, I said, I apologize, the restrooms are clean and I will hire somebody to do it. And I was able to regain the respect I lost for being a jerk. Right, so that person, he actually attacked the problem, not, not the oh, person. Oh yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't tolerate that. Right. We, we don't. That's a huge If you get personal, the right. conversation's over till we cool down. Right. I mean, and I'll never forget back when I was a little kid, and my dad always said, I want you to go to the office and just sit and watch. Where a gentleman by the name of Arnold Collins, a phenomenal man, was our CFO. And uh, um, Jim Green and... Um, um, Mr. Bockinger used to get into arguing with each other, scream, and, and they would scream at each other. And I said, aren't you going to do something about it? He goes, not yet, not yet, not yet. But the minute it got personal, he would get up out of that chair faster than the roadrunner and get over there and say, that's over. Because you, you can't get personal. If it's going to get personal and you're going to screw around with trust and relationships, you're going to end your organization. Right. That's not where it's at. Well, that, that goes to company culture, and so I heard you reference well, you're in charge of culture, and so many times there's pace-setting type of leadership where they attack the person and you're not doing this, or you didn't do X or Y, where yeah. really it's about the leader should really attack problems About the behavior, people. not so much the, you know, we need to change the behavior and, you know, not attack the individual. Yeah, you know, not calling somebody lazy. Value judgments, right? You know, or, there's a difference between being lazy and, 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 and and, and not um, looking, not paying attention to the details. You know, what what do you do? You know, day to day, from a company culture standpoint, how do you reinforce culture on a consistent basis? I listen and I give nudges. Hmm. I'm not the person that's going to solve your problems for you. Okay, uh, I think what happens when you do that, and there are, there are some leaders that do that, and, and they're great at it. And I'm, Anything I'm saying, I'm never saying this is bad or this is good because after you've coached for 19 years, you learn that anybody can do anything that they need to do. Right. We're adaptable, we're un human beings are unbelievable. Yeah. Do you have a set of core values that are published we, we, and you point to? We or do, but you know, now COVID's changed things, right? Yeah. People are working from home now. So you have to have the conversations and the storytelling, which are what human beings do. You know, right. we are um, social animals. We are storytelling social animals, right? And we're meaning seeking. So 
when you don't sit around the campfires and tell stories, you don't sit around the lunchroom and tell stories. Stories is how we bond as human beings. Mm -hmm. They're how we actually communicate everything. And people go, well, we're not, yeah, story, storytellers are the highest paid people on the planet. They are. Right. Uh, and met, we use metaphors all the time because we have to have similarities as that's how the brain functions. The brain lights up for, for stories. So when you're not telling stories and having that human contact, you know, three things the brain needs. It needs glucose, right? Sugar, mm -hmm. right? And that's natural sugar, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Um, uh, it, it, it needs oxygen, right? Or it dies. And believe it or not, it needs relationship or it shuts down. Wow. It shuts down. Remember uh, Castaway when he went whack job and he right. had Wilson? He had yeah. to invent a friend. Right. Because you go wacky. Human beings have to have relationships. So we have gone to a society that's now, you know, said, oh, you can't see those people. You can't touch those people. You can't be around those people. So, you know, our office, we, a lot of people work from home. I haven't seen people that I enjoyed seeing every day. I haven't seen them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you start to go different directions and that, that connection starts to go. Alignment, yeah. So there's a real challenge. And Gallup put out a great article uh, on, you know, things we have to do. Uh, to work on the culture with this COVID situation when people are working from home. You have to maintain communication. You have to maintain storytelling. You have to maintain uh, just having a, just talking to people rather than right. oh, it's all business. So, so right, you, you know, we have calls. Oh, I have a Zoom call that's going to run from 1 to 145 and I have to jump. So you're saying perhaps set up calls that are intentionally focused on socializing. Or yeah, but and that's course. hard for some people. I mean, there's right. just it's just like you know, it feels we awkward. all belong to organizations where churches or service clubs where the one person takes care of the the sick and distressed, right? Right. And they're really good at it. Right. Like you got to find that person in the organization that's going to keep in contact with people. You know, who's that person going to be? And yeah, should should everybody do that? I mean, one thing Americans are really bad at is feedback. We're really right. bad at that. I mean, and if we got better. Uh, it would make a huge, huge difference in the workforce. Just just telling people where they're at, mm -hmm. good or bad, just giving, you know, 90, time, 90 times, I mean, I was looking at our disciplinary policy once and I thought, why, do we, why don't we have an achievement policy? Why is it all just discipline? Like right. companies spend all this time putting all this effort into how we punish people. Like how do we reward people? Right. Shouldn't we have a, an equal thing there too? Well, they're expected to do that. That's why they get a paycheck. Well, no, that's not why people, people do not work for somebody because they get a paycheck. Some people do, mm -hmm. you know, but they're not engaged. People work with people because they enjoy being there. They feel they're providing and adding value somehow, some way, and they mean something, that they have meaning for being there. If you don't feel like, I had a friend that just said they turned down a job because it was a great job, it was great money, but the person never asked them what they wanted out of the job. Ah, so it was really one way. So they said, well, you don't care about me, so why should I, you know. So that, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot more than the money. Right. There's an investment. So there's an investment of time and investment in relationships. Right. So, you know, paying attention to relationships, paying attention to human connection, the human touch in, in business and leadership, extremely important. You've got to go after the heart before you have to go after the mind. Right. So great leaders do have that philosophy, that approach, but, but great leaders can also find someone to do that. Yeah, that's perhaps well, you better know, than Moses them, right? had Joshua, right? Was that, you know, right? I, I don't yeah, well, what I'm saying is, yeah. you know, uh, he couldn't speak, so he had somebody else do it for him. It's a, you know, so many times we get forced in this cookie cutter, like, 
oh, you're really good at strategy, so you got to tell people what to do. But you might be great at strategy, but really feel uncomfortable Horrible telling communicating, people. communicating, yeah. Well, no, not, just not feel comfortable being bossy. I see. Right? Right. Like uh, Steve, Stephen Jobs from Apple had no problem telling people where to go and what to do, right? right. Yeah. And he did pretty well, right? Right. But some people feel really uncomfortable with that, but they know what to do. So they have to access other parts of their personality to be able to communicate that in a way that's good for them. Not be the cookie cutter, you gotta be the boss, you know? Right. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not a bossy person. Ask anybody that works in our company, I will go up and say, will you help me with this? You know, or help me understand what you're doing. Right. I won't say you're not doing that right. I'll say, help me understand what you're doing. Big difference. But that's how I communicate. That doesn't mean it's good for everybody else, but it's what works for me. I definitely want to learn more about your leadership philosophy, but first, we need to take a break to thank our sponsors of The Brain Gain. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank the headlining members of the coalition, including Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Moransky Companies, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Also included are Farmers Bank Group, Youngstown State University, Eastern Gateway Community College, the DeBartolo Corporation, Cortland Bank, MS Consultants, and 898 Marketing. So, Greg, do you have a leadership style and philosophy, something that could oh appear gosh. on a poster? Oh Is that God. a horrible question for you? I'm a contributor. I want to help people. I want to come alongside and help them get the resources they need and help their dreams come true. I want to fight for their dreams. That's, that's my leadership style. Uh, I, I also am somebody that's going to try to make sense, get the right information, get the information they need or the information I need. Not too much information, but just enough. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm also somebody that's going to, you know, probably if I really like something, I'm going to get really good at it. Like mastery. Like right. uh, I, I got into videography, right? I went and took a, uh, a 500 level course from the university. I went and studied it. I really, because I wanted to know what I was doing. So when I hire somebody, I know that I'm giving them what they need to do their job. Not so I can tell them what to do, but so I can provide them with what they need. And that's kind of my leadership philosophy. I see where we need to go. I see the people that we need to have involved and I need to give them the resources that they need to accomplish the work. Okay, so um, would I be the guy out front? It depends on what it is. But I have no problem in a room full of uh, A-type people, not A-type from a disc profile, but A-type people where they're, they're the people that aren't going to let the place fail. Like it's right. not going to fail because of me. Like those kind of people. Uh, I have no problem sharing the leadership mantle given a situation, the context of the situation. Who needs to be in charge for this particular moment? Right. Like when we went through the recession, I learned, I was able to adjust the leadership of our organization to give it to the people that could handle it. And then when we went through COVID, those people happened to still luckily be with us and they knew what to do. And we quickly, I mean fast, adjusted. And you know, probably twice saved the company because we were able to make those arrangements. So my, my leadership is not rigid, it's very malleable, it's very uh, much uh, hands off, okay? But that's what works for me. And even in a given situation, that, that kind of leadership works. So are the expectations so clear that you don't have to manipulate or be overly involved? Well, it depends. I mean, it, it just, I, 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 a lot, one of the leaders I really kind of think I'm like is, uh, or I try to be like, 
is like Walt Disney, who mm -hmm. where he would float around and just kind of talk to everybody and kind of really see what's going on. And then he would just kind of nudge here and there and kind of say, well, what about this? What about that? And when he needed to, he would say something. And that's kind of what I'm like, you know, laissez-faire. But then uh, when I need to be have authority, I, I, I use it, but I use it very, very, very rarely. Like there was a point in time where they wanted to spend, I think, uh, a certain amount of money to buy a competitor. And I said, absolutely not. I mean, we're not doing it. Not a that. good fit? We're, no, we're not doing it. We're just not doing it. I mean, I'd rather you spend a tenth of that and buy the machines and compete it's with them. Just kind of get right. And take them out. And that's what they ended up doing. So that, you know, not that that was brilliant or anything, but I'm seeing it. I want to stay at a 6,000 feet level and I want the people to stay at a 35,000 level, you know. And sometimes 6,000, you see from outside the outside the organization or outside the situation you see things differently so i try to allow people to function and i don't get on their toes and you know and i'm not the kind of person if i don't trust you i'm not going to give you anything i'm going to do it myself you know uh i'll just get somebody else to do it i'm right. not going to do it myself right right okay unless i need to become good at something and learn what they need to know so i have an understanding of what they need you know, when I, when I decided to get into voice and get into presentations and all that, I wanted to study video because that's where we're going as a culture. Right. And I wanted to understand what the people behind the camera need from me to do their job. I think it's really important. Right. So is everyone, from a communication standpoint, I, I keep wanting to circle back. Leaders have different profiles, different personalities. Can everyone be effective on video as long as they're authentic? Oh yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there absolutely are skills and knowledge, and you know this as well as I do, that you need to learn of how to communicate properly on a right. camera. Right. There just are. And everybody can learn that. Now, the speed you'll learn is based on a lot of things. And if you'll retain it, it's based on a lot of things, if you use it. But, you know, uh, again, you know, we're getting into a lot of theory here about human be human beings. To me, highly adaptable, and there's no one way to do something. So let's just look at it like that. I mean, I I, I have a certifications and assessments that have uh, 635 quadrillion to one odds of two people being the same, and I have other ones that are like the disc profiles 24 to one. You know. Is there a favorite tool? You mentioned DISC a couple times. Do you no, like I don't, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not really a fan of DISC at all. So if you use it, I'm sorry. I, I've just, <laughs> I've just doing, been doing this for 19 years. And I've, I have my master's in this through Gallup. And uh, I, I think there's just uh, there's a lot of tools and they're all useful. But I think DISC is overstretched because it's only behavior-based. There's no motivation behind it. And here's the thing about, here's a big lesson here. So if you haven't listened to anything I've said, talked about, this is here's it. what you listen to. Potential is, is not how you measure a human being. Potential is not how you measure. So you measure a human being by their motivation. If they have motivation towards, or, or a motive, if they're motivated towards something and end, then the chances of them having success are greater than if they have potential but no motivation. Ah, uh, well, I'm thinking this relates to the professional environment, but also the family environment. Absolutely. Thinking of kids. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, a lot oh. of this is, our, you know, brain gain is about really how do we connect kids to career paths. And and I'm gu I am guilty. I'm admitting this right now. I say to my one son all the time, he's very, you know, feedback from teachers. Very smart, just not motivated. <laughs> 
Well, and and how do you do you have to find what he's motivated it in and then support that? Or this happened several years ago. I was uh, at um, actually down at the Cavelli Center, and I ran into a, a friend with his son, and his son looked really down. And I said, "What's? Uh, let's just make up some names. What's, what, what's wrong with Bobby? Ah, oh, Bobby got his report card today." I said, "Well, Bobby, what 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 was it? What's the problem?" I got I got an F and I got an F in English, an F in English, really. He goes, "Yeah." I go, "Well, what, what, what did you, is that? All you got was an F in English? You only take one class?" He goes, "No." I go, "What else you take?" He's, "Well, I I I got a, a C in social studies." I go, "Oh, good." And he says, "And I, I got I got an a, a, a in math and an A in science." And I said, "Dad, did you just pay attention to what just happened?" He goes, "What?" He goes, did you see how excited he got about his A's? Well, yeah, I'd get excited if I got A's too based on what he did with his F. I said, you're not getting it. You're, you're going to figure out how to get that F up through his A's. He goes, what do you mean? I said, uh, you ever shot a rocket ship off, Bobby? He goes, what do you mean? I said, you know, I'm not talking about the A or B class. I'm talking about the E class. We have to call the FCC. Right, to get clearance, right. Get clearance to shoot the darn thing off because they go up 2,000 feet. And you have to use liquid fuel. You ever done that? No. I said, would you like to? He goes, well, yeah. I said, Dad, you're now going to become a rocket expert. You're going to go, and you're going to go buy a kit. And as he gets that grade up, you're going to start building that rocket. And if he doesn't, you stop. That's his motivation. And guess, what he, guess who he works for now? NASA? He works for NASA. Elon Musk, perhaps? He works for NASA. He works for NASA. So, so this so, speaks to a problem saying, in our educational Well, system, they're switching right? to a strength-based. 50% of the schools are not strength-based models. But what I'm trying to tell you is you, everybody tries to think weaknesses are where you have to put your time into. Right. And here's the thing. You know, uh, Superman on Kryptonite can't do a damn thing, and he's kind of laughable, right? Right. And so is everybody listening to this call. Where you're not really good, you're laughable. I right. am too. But where you're strong and you're good, it's like Superman stopping a train and then coming over and squeezing you with the same strength he stopped that train with, you're dead. Right. So your, it's your strengths, it's what you're good at that can cause the greatest achievements or the greatest disappointments, not the weaknesses. So all the avenues is where you're, where you're efficient with energy, where you flow better, where, where you, your mind clicks faster. That's where you find the answers. And then you, you can model those and look through those lenses to get other things done. So it's about finding people's strengths and then amplifying them. Right? Yeah, well, you know, strengths is, again, we're using labels. Um, right. Find where you're most efficient with what you do. Right. Right. For me, it's public speaking. It, it, it is taking risks. It is human interaction, one-on-one -on -one stuff. Um, that's where I, I really, my energy flows. Like if you tell me, hey, Greg, geez, uh, there's a thousand people downstairs. Can you go talk to them? I go, yeah, yes. sure, great. <laughs> uh, what do you want me to talk about? As we're walking down the elevator, I'll say, you know, what's your objectives? What's your, what do you, you know, how are you going to measure success? And what's your value if I achieve those two things? Those are what I'm going to be asking. Then I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to go. Right. And I'm not even going to think about it. Right? And people go, whoa. And there's other people listening to this right now who go, I love that too. Right. Right. right? So it's, it's where, you know, and, and sometimes uh, what I've learned too, you could be naturally good at something, but because you don't, you haven't had the skills and knowledge and the training, you don't feel comfortable, you know, that's mm -hmm. a different thing. Right. You can always train. So there's a degree of exposure. So you, everyone needs a sampling or a distribution of well, exposure. You have to learn to trust yourself. You have to have right. successes 
that give you confidence, that give you opportunities, that give you your life. This notion of don't focus on potential, focus on their motivation. Right. You know, how do you, what tools or how would you diagnose that? I mean, is that just through observation? You need to see where they're leaning. What are they talking about? What are they interested in? Mm -hmm. You know? And maybe someone's doing a bad job, but maybe they're just in the wrong situation. Or someone in well, one situation could fail, but in I, another situation... I think situation when, you, when you, you trust a human being, uh, you know they have your back and you have theirs. You know they're fighting for your dreams and you're fighting for theirs. Uh, you got to try to find a place for somebody right. that fits. And, you know, um, I'm telling you right now, when we've hired uh, where there's not a, a good fit, but we think there's potential, potential. it's never worked. So potential is a very, I never thought about that. It's, just, it's, it, it's when, you, when you hang your hand on potential, you're probably going to be very disappointed. You could get lucky. So it's your projecting. It's, it's you projecting they have how potential. Many, how many times, I mean, fact. honestly, the parents out there, you see the potential your children have if they did this sport or that sport or this activity or that sport and they have no interest in it. Right. And you like want to hit your head against the wall, right? right. Oh, yeah. Because you could see it. Yep. But, that you know, until they find a spark, until they have an igniter, until they're interested, you know, and uh, Daniel Cole talks about that in his books about uh, talent, the talent code and the Little Road Book of Talent, highly recommended, by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Daniel Coyle, in fact, he's an Ohioan. Oh, okay. He is, he's, and he also lives in Alaska. Good guy, great guy. Um, but he did a lot of research, and that's what he said, you have to have the igniter. If the igniter for momentum isn't there, you're not gonna develop a strength. Strengths are when you take a raw talent that you've developed from, from birth all the way through to about 21 to 24 years old, sometimes 18, but that's kind of where you set your, uh, set your myelin in your brain, you know, and, and traumas can change you, whether it's getting on the scale and going, oh my gosh, or somebody gets tragically hurt in your family, or you do, mm -hmm. you know, trauma's trauma. Right. And that can change your wiring. Right. Because your brain, your body gets into something that, because we're adaptable, uh, but pretty much the basic, you know, what flows well for you and what doesn't, what your main why and why you do things in the world is kind of set to some degree. Uh, and if you follow that, it's a path of least resistance. It's most efficient energy, you know, and I'm gonna get into one other point, is most people go to work and they think, I gotta get done with something I hate first so I can enjoy my afternoon. Well, try this, ladies and gentlemen. Try doing what you do best first because you're gonna have the most energy and you're most efficient with it and you're really good at it and you're gonna get it done quicker with the most energy and do the best job and then do the crap at the end. Right? right? Yeah. Because you're gonna have plenty of energy for that. Right. But if you use up all your energy, because energy Flying is limited, through, right. going through something that drains you and then you get to the stuff you're good at, you're not really gonna be as good as you could have been. Right. And that's where your value really is. Love it. So we're speaking on the individual level. Let's shift gears to this region, right? So you've invested a lot in trying to bring the region forward, change the narrative. You know, TEDx, uh, Bo Eason was in town. He was a fantastic speaker, shared great experiences. Annika Koska from Keller Williams was in town. Uh, I brought in, um, yeah, a few, few speakers. Quite a few, right? Scott Mann. Right. So... Do you see, is there anything that frustrates you about the region? Because, you know, clearly there, there's been a lot of programming, we'll call it, outside perspectives, motivational, aspirational. Uh, do you see that our region has a big challenge? Are we not living up to our potential? I feel bad even using that word now. 
Um, or do we have to find our motivation? Like, wh where's our momentum? Where, where do you think, like, if only we could do X, like, what are you seeing something like a hurdle on our way? This is tough for me, you know, really, because I, 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 I love my town. I love the people in the town. I get along with mostly everybody. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I enjoy mostly everybody. Um, I think the problem is this, and I saw this, and that's why in my own life, when I'm in an organization, I only do a thing for three years, and then I get out because I want new blood, fresh blood. Right. I think there's people that held on to power too long, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think it's a problem in the United States Congress. I think it's a problem, you know, where people just make it a career rather than a service. I see. And I, and I think power gets you in trouble. Um, and that's why we develop systems where there's check and balances. Mm -hmm. That's why the, the founders of this country wanted those things. They didn't want absolute power for people. And you know, when you're gonna stack the courts, when you're gonna put more senators in, that's just gonna give you one party rule. And guess what happens with one party rule? Hello. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. That's, it's a power grab. Right. And you, you need to have that. Did we really have that in Youngstown? I mean, I was around when they were shooting people. Like I, D'Onofrio was shot when I was playing in Shinsky's yard, which was uh, uh, Congressman Carney's uh, grandson. I was playing in their yard, and we heard the bang. We ran around. We saw the guy's brains all over the, the wall, you know. Uh, I was around for those times. That was, you know, we didn't mess with that, right? Yeah, right. And we went from that to just people controlling, certain part people controlling everything without getting new, new fresh ideas in there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you get stale. So Every, you cling to power, it becomes. Well, it's just like in any organization, if you don't bring in, uh, Gallup's done some great, great research on this too. If you don't bring in people from the outside and get fresh ideas, you know, you're gonna get stale. You're mm -hmm. gonna become a dinosaur. You've got to, you know, expand. It's just uh, races that don't, you know, just interbreed. Guess what happens? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, you've got to increase diversify the, the pool. Diversify so the pool, and that's important. And I don't think we did that in the leadership. Now we have some good leaders. I think Trestle's a phenomenal leader. I think he's, you know, I I, I was shocked at some of the pushback when he was when they were going to hire him, but he's done a phenomenal job. Right. Uh, mayor Williams, I used to, you know, I think, man, he was a great leader, right? I'm not saying the other mayors haven't been good leaders. I'm just saying Williams was a different breed. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up, Obama tapped him. So we lost him. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing we need. We need to raise up good leadership and get behind it and then change the leadership. You right, know, right. You know, don't get stuck where, where a certain group of people run everything. It, it shouldn't be a competition, a zero-sum game, right? It should really be just a... Uh... Well, you know, it's just like, I mean, I'm getting a little political. I don't mean to, but I think, you know, part of this whole thing of not helping people during this, this, this election was so they were suffering a little bit before we went through the polls. Now, that's wrong. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what... We can play this game all day long. They didn't pass anything. It could be either side's fault. That was wrong. You know, there were people that genuinely needed some help and genuinely needed something and are hurting in our country that don't need to be hurting. Now, why would they do that? It's for power. And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, Americans are greedy people. We are, we just are greedy. Right. Uh, uh, and we do things to what's, what's best for us. Right. And, and, and it's, it's worked really well for us, so right? So competition leads to potentially greed and, and your biggest strength could be your biggest weakness. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, you know, Americans, uh, uh, you know, if I could tell you a quick story, sure. um, when I was, I came home from school one time, 
And I noticed the flag in the backyard was still up. And my dad always took it down at five o'clock because of the, because uh, there was no light on it. In the state of Ohio, back in the 80s, you had to have a light on a flag or it was illegal. You couldn't fly it. They've changed that law since. And you can fly a flag in the dark, I guess. But he, he always took it down. Well, it was still up. And I thought, oh, he must not be feeling well. So I went in and I decided I'm going to take the flag down. So I'm walking in the house. My dad comes out madder than hell grabs the flag from me and says, get up in your room. So I'm like up in my room and, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know what to do. It's six, you know, it's five thirty, six o'clock, you know. So I didn't move, didn't, he didn't say a word. Next morning I get a knock on my door. It's six o'clock in the morning. He says, get dressed, we're going somewhere, you're not going to school today. So he drives, white knuckles me all the way to Arlington National Cemetery. Six hour drive, didn't say a word the whole time. We get out of the car, he stands me at the top where all the pillboxes go throughout mm -hmm. the thing. And he says, tell me why these people died for you. And don't get in the car until you've figured it out. Well, it's freedom, hell, everybody knows that. Right? So I'm sitting there, oh, I'm just, I better make this look good. So I'm standing there, I'm standing there. I get in the car, I said, Dad, it's freedom. He goes, no, son, 60 countries are free, and they're not America. You can't be, you can be un-American, but you can't be un-Italian, you can't be un-Brazilian, you know, you can't be. You can't be un-German, you can only be un-American. He said, we're different. He said, let me, let me explain something to you, son. All those people out there died for your dreams. They died for your dreams. They didn't die for freedom. They died so you had a better chance than they had. That sacrifice. That's what makes Americans different than any other culture on this planet. And, you know, they say we lost it. We didn't lose it. We haven't lost it. But we haven't, really, who's threatened us lately? Really? Okay, Yojo Kim, okay, big deal. You know, who's going to... Who's really got what it takes to come after us, okay? Right now we're eating ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if there was an outside threat, I think you'd see Americans come together. We're, we're, you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't taking our pie. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we might fight over the pie, but you ain't taking it. Right. So I, I, I think that's still there. Uh, when I tell that story to college students now, they don't react like they used to. So it kind of worries me a little bit. However, they haven't had their pie taken yet. Wow. On that note, that's, that's a lot that's a lot to process. <laughs> it is. But I, I honestly believe Americans, down and down, if, if I took a little girl and said, you're ugly, you're no good, you're never going to amount to everything, uh, a lot of Americans would hate me or, or, or show me uh, how, what they think of me. Right. Because we don't do that. Right. We don't steal children's dreams. So is there a way that we can then take this philosophy right around dreams and aspirations and are there things we can do here locally for this economy here in the broader Youngstown market, this region, Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania? Well, yeah, yeah. Things we can work on as leaders with, you know, top down, bottom up or everyone. Like what, what you know? I think if we have communications, we talk. I mean, uh, one of the things I learned um, from Goodyear, um, uh, Goodyear has a racing division that lost money for years and then they brought in Ellis and Ellis put in a four-tier communication system where people were talking every day. Shifts would talk between shifts. They would have meetings on the floor every day. They would have, you know, middle management meet every day and talk. Every day they would have it and they would stand. They wouldn't sit because if you sit, you talk longer. Yeah, right. They'd stand Quick and they'd go over everything. And they went from losing money to making $16 million. They thought it was a lost leader because it was a racing division, but now they make money. Hmm. And it was just from communicating. I mean, if we just learned a better way to communicate in this town, I mean, and I think there's people doing it. I really do. Who's uh, a good example? 
Well, the person owns the flea, uh, the Youngstown flea. Right, Derek. Derek is, uh, I mean, I mean, he excites me. He, he, you know, he really does. He, he was a TEDx speaker for me too, and it's, right. it's kind of funny. He, you know, I, have, I had speaker trainers and all that, and he goes, "No, I want to do it my way," and I'm like, "Okay." You know, but oh, I, so he didn't go through the process. Well, he did, but he fought the process because because he's a, he's a he's a guy that doesn't believe that you're stuck. He's a guy that will fight against the culture that tells you you can't win. He's a fighter, and mm -hmm. he will find a way. And I like that. Mm -hmm. I might not always agree with him, but I know he's doing it for the right reasons. Right. 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 And I, I just think he's he's the kind of leader we need. In Youngstown, you know, and he might not run for anything, but he's going to inspire people to run, you know, right. that can make a difference. Right. He has the tools, right? I mean, he's, uh, you know, I, I, again, he's, you know, he's human. Right. We're all human. We're all fallible. Right. However, his heart's in the right place, and I think he's got the motivation because of the pains he's had in his life mm -hmm. that he doesn't want other people to go through it too. Right. So, do you have a challenge you want to offer to everyone, to our audience listening today? Yeah, lean into yourself, figure out who you are, and don't be afraid of it, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Like, get out there, and you know, we're it humans. It takes courage to be vulnerable, right? Is that Brene who said that? Yeah, Brene Brown's who trained me. So, okay. I, I, not personally, not personally, I, you know. However, I, I, I got a job once with an organization. They said, well, before you can get on the stage, you're going to have to go through, some, through vulnerability training because you have a problem with that. I go, I have a problem? Yeah, you have a problem with that. No, I don't. Oh, you just admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and got the training and was able to become and understand that vulnerability really is strength. You're really, if you're not vulnerable, you're weak. Sorry, you are. So tough guy, tough gal, you're weak. But if you can be vulnerable, you got a heck of a lot of strength. And that's how you connect with people and yourself. That's a great place to end. That's amazing. Everyone digest this information, right? And play it again if you have to, because Greg, this was more than I expected. You know, you were always generous with your time. You want to see us all succeed and grow and evolve. We learned, I can't even think about the key takeaways. There were too many to, uh, Cover today, yeah, we went so. all over the place a little bit. We did, but that's the point, right? Yeah. And I think this, this, we, we were kind of mile wide and mm -hmm. a couple inches deep. Yeah. But the good news is this is sets us up for probably perhaps another conversation. Yeah, we didn't even do the voice thing, right? Oh, right, right, right. I don't want to, Jesus. We, uh, you know, we'll save that one for for the second go. time, the next time we get together. So thanks for your time today. My Appreciate pleasure. It. Take care. Okay. Before we go, I'd like to thank members of the Brain Gain Coalition, especially our great sponsors. Without them, none of this would be possible. So a big thank you goes to Sweeney, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, the Moransky Companies, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Thanks so much for their support. And also, please follow, like, and subscribe to this series on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, just go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn, one of my favorite places. You can find me over there at Jeff Leo Herman and send me a message. I will see you next time. I'm growing up in this life and to the human that I need to be. I know that I am not alone. I'm brave. I got what it takes. 
Thanks for watching the video. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit that little bell for notifications. And also make sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For all of your business news, visit businessjournaldaily.com. For all of your arts and entertainment news, go to afterhoursyoungstown.com.